You're listening to Radio Looks Lucid, episode 58, and the title of today's episode is Memorial Day 2021. Well, hello everybody, I'm Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for this latest episode of Radio Looks Lucid. Today's program is going to be a little bit different than most of the other programs that I do. I usually do a fair amount of commentary on uh, ongoing uh, you know, political or economic things that uh, that I think are of interest uh, is uh, to, to Christians and I think just to people in general. But today I'm going to do things. Uh, actually, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I've got a little different program just because it is Memorial Day. I mean, this is Memorial Day weekend, and today is. In fact, I'm recording this on Saturday, uh, May the 29th. So it's uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, and I hope all of you've been having a an enjoyable. Uh, Memorial Day weekend here so far. It's a long weekend, an opportunity to uh, to take a little bit of break, break from our routine, and uh, maybe also to uh, to remember some things that uh, uh, that that we ought to remember as well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, it's one thing that's kind of interesting so far today. You know, about this Memorial Day weekend is how cool it is here in Cincinnati. It we had uh, our high was 55 degrees today, which is really unusually cool for this time of year. I mean, generally speaking, you know, we get in um, to uh, this time of year, and and you're looking at. Uh, yeah, temperatures probably at least in the seventies. I mean, that's, that's pretty typical. But it was it was uh, gray out. It was uh, it was rainy, um, kind of overnight, and even on Friday. And and now here today, we've got this uh, this cool weather again. So I'm wondering if uh, <laughs> you say it doesn't really feel much like a typical Memorial Day. It doesn't really look like a typical Memorial Day. And and you know the other thing too is I've talked a lot here recently about the uh, the cicadas. We've got a big 17 year cicada invasion going on. And uh, we really actually started to really kind of get into the meat of it this past week. And those uh, those darn cicadas, they get pretty loud uh, when you get thousands and thousands and thousands of them up in the trees in your backyard, and they they get to they they can crank it up, and it's uh, it's a uh, pretty uh, pretty loud. It can be sometimes hard to have even a conversation depending on where you're standing. Um, the uh, the sound from those things is so loud. But you know the funny thing is, I guess apparently they are very temperature sensitive. Because I was out working in the yard today, you know, mowing the grass and then and doing all that type of thing. And I didn't hear it peep out of the, uh, so much as one cicada. I mean, they were completely silent. So uh, I guess the cooler weather maybe uh, made them a little less energetic. Um, I was supposed to start warming up tomorrow. I think it's supposed to get in the 60s and then back uh, on Monday, we'll be back in the 70s. So I guess they'll probably be back to making some noise again. But uh, today they were, uh, they, were, they were pretty quiet, pretty quiet indeed. So anyway, so I wanted to talk some here uh, about Memorial Day. And, and, and as many of you know, I mean, certainly if, if you're from the United States, um, you're well aware of Memorial Day. It's, it's an American holiday, and it's usually one here in the United States we consider to be a sort of the unofficial start of summer because it always comes, uh, falls right at the end of, end of May. And, and, you know, that's usually when, at least when I was a kid anyway, that's when school, uh, school got out. Although I think, uh, I don't know. It seems like sc- some schools are getting out earlier now than what they used to, and they go back earlier too. But but anyway, we always went to school, you know, usually like in the first week of June. But Memorial Day was always kind of a marker. That was that was really like when 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 summer actually began. And when uh, Memorial Day first started, of course, it, it's something that started back right after the end of the the Civil War in the eighteen sixties, and they called it Decoration Day. When it began, and Decoration Day was was called that because they 
people would go out and they would put flowers on the uh, the graves of of fallen soldiers, and this was uh, how that that custom got its start and and over time it, it uh, became more of a gen- it wasn't so much specifically the civil war it became more of a thing with you know anyone who uh, remembering those who had had fallen in in any war regardless of of what war it was and the uh, the modern uh, memorial day i think was actually made official and, and regularized regular regularized by congress in uh, i think it was 1971 so that's uh, really where, where Memorial Day comes from. And what I wanted to do is talk a little bit today, since it is Memorial Day, and since, it, of course, it is about remembering, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, my family and tie in uh, my family's history with Memorial Day. And I, I hope this will be something that will be, be interesting to you. Uh, these are some, some men that I'm going to talk about here, I think, who are, are well worth remembering, and they're people I'm... Uh, certainly honored to uh, to claim as my forefathers. So it's it's uh, my great privilege to be able to uh, to talk about some of these things. And the uh, the first two gentlemen I'd like to talk about here are uh, William and Henry Bailey. They were they were brothers. Uh, they were Virginians way back in the day, and this was before the uh, ever the United States was. This was back in in colonial Virginia, and they were two uh, veterans. Of the uh, of the Battle of Great Meadows, uh, or sometimes it's known as the Battle of Fort Necessity, it was fought on July third, seventeen fifty four, and it was uh, generally considered to be the the first major battle of of the French Indian War. And this, the French Indian War was a, a substantial conflict. It was basically the French and the English fighting it out for control over over North America. So there there was a lot at stake for both countries. And the uh, the battle itself, it was as I said, it was fought on July third, seventeen fifty four. It was fought in what's today Southwest Pennsylvania, near a, a town called called Farmington. And uh, without going into uh, a lot of detail on this, there was a force of about uh, three hundred Virginians, uh, and it was also a uh, about a hundred or so uh, regular British troops that came from South Carolina. And they were all under the command of a, uh, a rookie colonel, a young guy, uh, with uh, just, just kind of getting his start uh, by, the, uh, by the name of George Washington. And this was actually Colonel Washington's first, uh, first command, first battle as, as, the, uh, as the commander, as the one who was, was uh, running the show. And uh, among those Virginians were two brothers, as I mentioned, William and, and Henry Bailey. Now, in that battle, they actually fought. Uh, I had an opportunity last summer in, in August of 2020 to actually go up there with uh, with my dad and mom, and and we went up to the uh, the battlefield. There's a, a a park. It's a it's like a national you know historic battlefield there, and they have a visitor center and the like. And they they've actually had a reconstruction of the fort, and it's kind of interesting. The fort that they built, um, they built it uh, on fairly. <laughs> fairly quick order. It was it was kind of a rush job. They put this thing together, and it was a round fort. Uh, 
interestingly enough, and a lot of people didn't realize that. I guess they, in, in past um, times, they've tried to have reconstructions of the fort, and they always kind of built it as a square fort, kind of something you maybe more typically think. But the fort, and in fact, this goes back to even eyewitnesses that were there at the time, uh, although they were ignored for a long time, and it was also in part from, I guess, some archaeological expedi- um, excavations that they did. They they did determine that it was a round fort, and they have a, a replica of the fort that uh, that was uh, that Washington built there, Washington and his men. Uh, it was very interesting to go up and to see this. And the uh, the fight took place, so there were about 400 or so uh, British and American, you know, together, about 400 or so British and American troops there under the command of George Washington. And they were, a for- they were opposed by a force of approximately around 700 or so uh, French and their, their Indian allies. And the uh, the French and the Indians got the better of the the uh, British and the Virginians. And the uh, the next day on July fourth, seventeen fifty four, the uh, the French offered them terms of surrender, and and Washington accepted, and they they marched off. Well, during the battle, I mentioned there were these two Virginian brothers who had come up, William and Henry Bailey. Well, well, William was killed in battle, and uh, William was and uh, Henry was was injured, but he lived, and in fact. Uh, Henry came back the next year, and there was a uh, a, a battle the, the following year that took place. And this time it was under the command of uh, General Edward Braddock, who was a, a British general. And the British got crushed again by the uh, by the French in that that next battle. And and Henry was wounded in that second battle in 1755. And apparently that was the end of his military career. I don't think he went back and fought after that. I guess he'd gotten a uh, gotten the worst of it in, in two battles, and maybe enough was enough for him, which uh, is certainly understandable. But uh, William was killed. And when I went up to the uh, the, uh, the historical site uh, last August, you know, there's a visitor center there, and there was a plaque that was made, and this was back in the 1930s, and it listed all the names of the men who were had been uh, killed and buried on the premises. And in one of those was... William Bailey. And I'm going to explain to you in a minute why that, that's important for my family. Now, although William was killed, he was survived by a son by the name of Josephus Bailey. And about 20 years later, Josephus served under George Washington, only this time it was General George Washington of the Continental Army. So Josephus Bailey was a Revolutionary War soldier. And he died in February of 1777. Now I've seen the, I, I, there's a, a, uh, oh, it's a, I guess a copy of some kind of official army record that shows his date of death uh, and the like. So he died in February of 1777, very early on in the American Revolution. And we don't know at this point what the, the nature of, you know, what, what caused that. I'm, I'm going to guess here. I don't know this for sure, but it would seem likely that it probably was not a combat death. Most soldiers back in the day, and I know this is even true into the Civil War and probably up until, you know, maybe the last hundred years or so, uh, a pretty even most deaths in war were actually not due to combat. They were due to, you know, illness and, you know, various other, you know, things that, that happened to, uh, to people in, in, uh, in war situations. And I remember a few years ago, I went up to the, uh, it was Valley Forge and I took a tour of Valley Forge where uh, Washington wintered, uh, one winter, I think it was, uh, 
1777, 1778, I think it was that winter. And, and you know, one of the things they talked about was that, you know, a lot of these guys that were there didn't even have shoes. I mean, can you imagine trying to survive the winter in an army camp in Pennsylvania where it's cold and snowy and nasty uh, with no shoes? You know, and, and that just is astounding to me. But apparently that was fairly common. And you can see why men would die. Yeah, in circumstances like that, because, you know, the, probably the sanitation wasn't great, but then you had severe lack of supplies as well. And just things that you and I would consider to be very basic, they didn't have. So whatever circumstances, the, whatever the circumstances were, Josephus died in, in um, February 1777. But he was survived by a daughter by the name of Marianne. And Marianne Bailey married... John Matthews of Amherst County, Virginia. My my family, you, you can probably get from the last name there. This is a family here. My family were Virginians as well. The Matthews were Virginians. They go way back uh, in the day. And uh, again, the, the Matthews family was uh, came to uh, the United States before there was a United States. But uh, Mary Ann Bailey married John Matthews of Amherst County, Virginia. And John and Marianne Matthews are my five times great-grandparents. So that's my connection. I, I'm actually a direct descendant of a veteran of the French-Indian War and also the, the American Revolution. Uh, and interestingly, those are two generations of the Bailey family that fought uh, under the command of George Washington. So, you know, that's when I think about that, that's, uh, that's quite an honor to have. And I'm, you know, that... Uh, yeah, it's it's always interesting sometimes when you hear you see see how your family sort of relates to to history, and I think I've talked about that before. I know uh, several months ago I, I did have a chance to talk about that on a podcast, but I thought it'd be something to talk about here again, again, just because this is Memorial Day, and you know we want to remember the efforts of uh, the Bailey boys in this case. It was uh, you know, William Bailey and Henry Bailey and William's son Josephus. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, William and Josephus you know, paid the ultimate price uh, in, in defending what, uh, you know, in, in defending the uh, the country, even before, in, in William's case, even before there was a country. So so we want to remember and, and honor the, the work that they did. Now, the, uh, the, grand, the next one, I, next uh, man I want to talk about here is Hiram Bennett Matthews. Now, Hiram Bennett Matthews was actually the grandson of John and, and Mary Ann Matthews. And Hiram Bennett Matthews is a, uh, is a Civil War veteran. He was uh, fought on the Union side. And he was 15 years old when the, the war broke out in 1861. And he tried to join up, and I guess they, they kicked him out because he was underage. And he went away for a, a little while. He came back and he joined up again. He was still underage, but I, I guess they, they took him the, uh, the, the second uh, uh, go-round. And at the time, the Matthews family was living in Hendricks County, Indiana. Now, Hendricks County, Indiana is just a – I believe it's just the county immediately west of, of Indianapolis – and the regiment that he served in during the Civil War was the first Indiana Heavy Artillery. And it's kind of interesting. It was known it was known as the first Indiana Heavy Artillery, but the regiment he was in was also known as the Jackass Regiment. Now, I now it's not what you're thinking. It, the reason they called it that isn't because the the men were jackasses, but it was because of 
the uh, the mules that they used to to haul their guns. Remember, this is back in the 1860s, and there wasn't a whole lot in the way of mechanized transport. I guess you know, obviously they had railways, but you know, in terms of hauling heavy guns across uh, across fields and roads and this kind of thing, well, you didn't have a uh, you know a, a jeep or a, uh, some kind of a vehicle like that that you could do that with. You know, you had to you had to do it by uh, some other means, and in this case, they used. Um, they use mules for this. In fact, let me, I've got a picture here and I'd like to go ahead and, uh, to share that with you here. Here's a picture actually of the, uh, of the first Indiana heavy artillery. And I don't know, for all I know, maybe Hiram Bennett Matthews is in this picture. I, I don't know that for sure one way or the other, but this was his regiment. And this is a picture taken in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And that's where they served. They kind of served on the sort of the western side. You know, a lot of times you hear about some of the famous battles in the Civil War. You know, it's always places like Gettysburg or, you know, various, you know, battle sites in, in Virginia, what have you. But, you know, Bull Run. Um, but, but this was a particularly, but, but he wasn't in that theater. So he was over in, you know, down in the, uh, kind of the, uh, I guess what I've been the Southwest, uh, part of the, uh, of the theater, uh, the war theater. So he, this was a photo taken in, in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And there's a, a second picture that I have here too, that I thought I'd share with you. This is a picture uh, and you can see here, view of the Indiana Artillery, Port Hudson, Louisiana. So there was a siege that they uh, were part of, uh, a siege of Port Hudson. And this is the uh, the first Indiana Heavy Artillery. You can see over here, if you can can see that at all on the on the live stream, there's uh, one of the uh, the guns. They call them parrot rifles. Uh, by the way, and I, I looked up parrot rifles, and, and sometimes you think of a rifle, you know, you think of maybe something you hold in your hand, but in, in this case, it was rifled artillery, so they had the 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 rifling inside the barrel of the the gun, and what that does, you know, what the rifling does is it imparts a spin on the on the shell when it shoots it out, and and that spin makes it more accurate than than if you didn't have that spin on it. That that's what that's what a rifle is. It's that's got that that twist on the inside of the barrel that that imparts a spin to you know whether it's a bullet or uh, maybe a bigger gun like like these uh like what they used. And they were called parrot rifles and I looked this up one time and the, I guess one of the things that was noteworthy about the parrot rifles and you, you can't see it as well here in this picture but there's like a heavy band that they they learned how to how to manufacture these these can I guess you call it a cannon uh maybe that's not the uh that's probably, I would think that's a a reasonable term to use it for it but when these these heavy artillery pieces they would put this this heavy band uh around the outside of the gun near uh down near the breech and what that did apparently is it it strengthened the artillery piece probably allowed them to use a bigger charge um and it kept the gun from blowing apart um, and, and I guess it gave more integrity just to the, the structure of the gun. So it's kind of a, it was at the time anyway, it was a new and, and somewhat revolutionary way of, of, uh, constructing artillery pieces, but they use these, these heavy parrot rifles. Um, and they, they hauled them around on, on mules. So that, that was, um, Hiram Bennett Matthews war experience. And, uh, what I understand, uh, I've been told this, I don't know if this came down to the family or what, but the the first indiana heavy artillery mustered out in january of 1866 and when when uh, hiram bennett matthews mustered out he walked all the way back to hendricks county indiana 
uh, on foot. <laughs> so, you know, he did, didn't hop on a train, didn't, uh, didn't ride a horse. Apparently he walked, um, if most, if not the, the whole way. And, and I think about that and that's just, that just blows my mind. That's, that's an amazing thing. Uh, one of the interesting things too about, uh, Hiram Bennett is he lived to be a pretty old age. He lived into his nineties and, uh, what's kind of remarkable. My dad, who's still alive and, and, uh, in good health, uh, praise God for that. Uh, but my dad was born in 1939, and I think Hiram Bennett was, if I if I remember correctly, I believe that that he died. I think maybe in in 1938. So he almost lived up to the time of of, of my father, uh, which is is kind of a remarkable thing. I like say Hiram Bennett. He lived to be well in his 90s, and he's actually buried out in in Iowa. And I remember a number of years ago. My dad found out that I guess the grave out there was unmarked and he contacted, there was some organization, I want to say maybe it was the, uh, maybe the Department of Defense, something like that anyway. And they, uh, they provided a headstone. So they've, they've reinstalled a headstone out there for him. And, and so there's actually a, because he was, you know, part of the, uh, part of the army. So that's a that's an interesting uh, bit of family history there too. So Hiram Bennett Matthews is uh, is another name that I'd I'd like to remember and uh, someone who's my great 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 grandfather and I'm I'm honored to to be descended from him. He was uh, uh was a brave man and um you know did some uh, some truly extraordinary things. So that's uh, that's a name that I want to definitely want to remember here. Now the the third person, the third name that I would like to remember is another family member here, and this is uh, Paul Maurice Matthews. Now, Paul Maurice Matthews was my great uncle. He was my my grandfather, Matthews. He was his, his younger brother, and he was in the Army Air Corps during World War II, and uh, he was a pilot. I believe when he started the uh, when he when he started in the the Army Air Corps, he was flying B twenty fives, which was a a medium bomber. And then he somehow, I don't know what it was, but somehow he switched over and he began flying a cargo plane. In this particular case, it was a C-47. And I'm going to show you a picture here if you've you got the live stream. Yeah, here it is. It's a C-47. It's, I guess they called it a, a Skytrain. And it was, it was a two-engine uh, two engine and a transport. It was actually based on the the DC three. The civilian version of it was the DC three, and the the military version they called it the C forty seven. And he flew what's known as the the Burma Hump. And I've got a, a picture of it here on the the live stream here. And the Burma Hump, you can see down here. This is the Bay of Bengal down here. And the Burma Hump, it flew from they they flew from uh, Eastern India. Over the Himalayas and into China, and the the purpose of the Burma Hump was they were supplying uh, Chiang Kai Shek's uh, army, as well as the I guess there was a, an American uh, uh, U.S. Army Air Corps uh, contingent there as well. So his uh, you know what they were doing they were they were the critical supply line for for the forces that were fighting there in in Western China. Uh, against the Japanese, and the uh, the last mission that he flew, he and I'm talking to my my dad about this, who's who's researched it. Apparently, he went. They had a an extra heavy load, a much heavier load than what they they normally would. And when they would drop their loads, what they would do 
apparently, is they would come in low and they'd push this stuff out the side of the airplane. So they just shoved this stuff out. And when they were low to the ground, they were take, they took some, uh, as I've been told, some, uh, some ground fire. Uh, and the ground fire knocked out one of the engines. Well, they were already over, probably, you know, overloaded as it was. And then knocking out one engine, the other, uh, engine, it was a two engine plane, couldn't keep the, uh, the aircraft in there and they crashed. And the, uh, and, um, Uncle Paul was killed. Uh, Paul Maurice Matthews. He was was killed in action, and flying the Burma Hump. And uh, the co-pilot survived. And I don't know if there are any other crewmen that survived as well. But I know that uh, that uh, that he was killed. So that's uh, that's very unfortunate. But you know, and that's that's something that you know you you realize you know the cost of war. Um, you really do, and and that that drives that home. Uh, very clearly. Yeah. I I think about that a lot, you know, and, you know, I, I never knew uncle Paul. I mean, he was killed, uh, goodness, over 20 years uh, before I was born, but uh, yeah, still, I mean, you think about that. I remember seeing a picture of him one time, I guess it was taken here in Cincinnati. Uh, It was with uh, his, uh, I think it was with his girlfriend at the time. And, and, you know, sometimes I've thought about that and, you know, I mean, they were never married and, but you wonder what what, you know, what might have happened for them had had he lived. I mean, there's a whole whole branch of the uh, of the Matthews family that's uh, that's missing, you know, because of that. Uh, and that's sad to think about. But it really does drive home for you know, when we talk about Memorial Day. It's especially about remembering those who have fallen, and and certainly uh, Paul Matthews is is one of those. You know, he was was a young man. He was in his I don't recall his exact age right now, but he was in his early twenties, and he has whole life ahead of him. And, uh, and he didn't come back. Now, I know that that's not probably the, the cheeriest way to, to end a podcast, but yeah, you know, again, we talk about Memorial Day and, and it is a very serious time. You know, sometimes we think of it, oh, it's, oh, it's a three day weekend and all these things. And, and, and it is that. I mean, and, and look, I like to have a three day weekend as much as anybody, but we also do want to remember, you know, why it is we have Memorial Day and what it is we're remembering. And that's, uh, certainly, uh, something that, uh, that strikes me. Now, I know I've got some people here that are talking about they're not getting any sound on the live stream. And I can see that for some reason it's acting a little bit funny and I don't know how to get the sound back. Um, looks like I've got good sound here, but for whatever reason, I don't know. It's uh, it's not coming through, and I'm not sure. I may not be able to get that back on the live stream, so we're just going to have to go with what we've got here. Uh, so anyway, in in closing here, I wanted to talk a little bit about just uh, just some my thoughts about Memorial Day. You know, it's uh, it's always been you know as I said, it's always been a day about remembering the fallen. So I mean, that's why I wanted to talk about those uh, those gentlemen that I I mentioned there to you, and. You know, when I think back on, you know, on, on the, the sacrifices they made, when I think back on the, the lives that they led, you know, it really gives me a, a strong sense of connection to this country. You know, and, and I'm a patriot, and I don't mind saying so. You know, the Matthews family's been in this country for some 300 years uh, before ever there was a United States. You know, this nation's my heritage. It's, it's my patrimony. And I'm honored to have that. Uh, as my patrimony. You know, America is a nation, as Abraham Lincoln put it, is conceived in liberty. And that's an exceedingly rare and precious gem. 
And I'm so grateful to God to have that. But, you know, along with that sense of honor, I also feel a tremendous obligation to speak out against some of the the really evil stuff uh, that's going on in our own time. And the evil men who are spreading lies about our nation and trying to overturn and to destroy our remaining liberties. I take this very personally. I mean, this is not something that uh, that I take lightly. You know, I, I think back on on William Bailey and, and Henry Bailey and Josephus Bailey. I think back on Hiram Bennett Matthews. I think back on Paul Matthews. And I think back on on the sacrifices that they made. This is just my own family I'm talking about here. And you know, I I I I feel a, a true sense of outrage when I hear the kinds of things being said about my nation that are being said. And, you know, I'm thinking here of, uh, of especially some of the so-called woke types, you know, the critical race theory types, the, uh, the socialists who want to destroy our economic liberties, the, uh, say the, the wokesters who want to, to say that our nation is conceived in, racism and that it's filled with terrible people who've done terrible things and that are are some of the most uh, terrible people who've ever existed. Uh, I don't buy that for a minute. It's not a perfect nation, not even close, but it's it's a nation that was conceived in liberty. It's a nation that is a product of the Protestant Reformation. And I, I think I even heard one time that uh, Patrick Henry when he went to sign the Declaration of Independence he stated he said that the the rule of of uh political protestantism has begun and and you can really see that in you know just just as the the Protestant Reformation set men spiritually free it also set men free politically and economically as well and you saw that really come to uh to full flower uh, with the founding of the United States of America. And I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of that and to have had uh, those who have gone before me be a part of that uh, as well. And, you know, here we are, you know, we sit in the year 2021, and, you know, I'm, I've never served in the military. Um, interestingly, the last few generations of my family haven't. My grandpa, you know, I talked about Paul Matthews. That was my, my grandpa Matthews' brother. My, my grandpa Matthews was of age to have served. He was 27 when the war broke out, when World War II broke out. But he was a machinist, and he wasn't drafted uh, because of that. Uh, he was considered a war-critical industry. Um, my dad had a medical deferment uh, for Vietnam. Uh, thankfully, in my case, there wasn't a war going on uh, at that time. Although I do remember having to go over and register for the draft when I was was eighteen years old. I just remember going to the post office and I had to go out and fill out the the draft registration card. Uh, although I was never never drafted. Yeah, you know, I've never served in the army um, in the military of any sort. But you know, you and I, whether or not we're actually part of the military, you know, you and I are in a battle as well. You know, and and our battle is is a Christian battle. You know, we're, we're soldiers of Christ. And, you know, we think about, you know, think about what the Apostle Paul said. I mean, the Apostle Paul you know, used a, that very powerful image in, in Ephesians. What's that? Ephesians chapter 6, where he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. You and I are in a, a battle that's every bit as real as any of those fights that were going on that, uh, that my forefathers were a part of, you know, whether it was Great Meadows or, or the Civil War or, or the Burma Hump or, or any of these types of things, you and I are in a fight as well. You know, we're in a spiritual battle. 
And, you know, the only, we're in a battle of ideas. I mean, we're, you know, this country is really battling for its very existence. And you and I are in a battle of ideas. And, and I feel just a, a tremendous obligation to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of justification by faith alone, because that's the only thing that frees men spiritually. And you have to be free spiritually before you're ever going to be free politically and economically. I feel a tremendous obligation to refute from the pages of Scripture all this nonsense, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's uh, socialism, whether it's big government in any in any sense of the term. These things need to be refuted. These these, these ideas are unchristian, and and they are destroying our liberties, our our, our freedoms of speech, uh, our freedoms to to move. Uh, to speak, to act, to do, to live our lives. You know, our, there, there are so many people out there who want to, to take away our liberties, our God-given liberties. And I feel so strongly about pushing back against this stuff, of refuting it, and it, refuting it from the Word of God. This is my battle, and, and this is your battle. This is the fight you and I are in. But you and I know this too. I mean, we may lose some battles, but we know in the end we're going to win the war. Because as Martin Luther said, the right man is on our side, and he must win the battle. So that's all for today. And I I want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, It's always uh, a pleasure to do this. I apologize to those people who are watching the live stream. I know several of you have given me notes that uh, you're not getting any sound. But uh, I know the uh, podcast recorder is going, so I know that this has been uh, been captured as a podcast. So uh, that's about all for this week. Uh, Tomorrow, I wish you all a, a blessed Lord's Day. And until the next time we speak, may the spirit of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word. Good night, everybody.